0: Hello. On this podcast, we talk about movies, their faults, their flaws, and their plots. So, expect some spoilers. You've been warned. Welcome to Plot Spackle. I'm John, and I saw this movie in theaters on opening night. I'm Richard, and I saw this movie in theaters on opening night. I'm Eric, and well, keeping with the theme of the movie, I thought about seeing it in theaters, but then bailed at the last moment. I haven't seen it yet. Oh man, really? I didn't know you were going to try and see it. Well, no, I didn't even know it existed, but keeping on theme with the movie... But the intros where we where we actually include honesty, Eric. You have to be. I'm, you have to be honest that why you didn't see this movie. Maybe it's part of my. I'm role playing, guys. That's what my character would do. <laughs> All right, yeah, because uh, we are talking about a movie that Eric hasn't seen, and that movie is Dungeons and Dragons 2000, as in from the year 2000. It's not the title Dungeons and Dragons 2000. It sounds super futuristic. If it's, I mean, that's yeah. the case though. Because now there's a new Dungeons and Dragons movie. But that one at least has a tagline, because that one can just be Honor Among Thieves. That's Honor Among Thieves. But Eric, what do you know about Dungeons and Dragons, the movie? Oh, I was going to say, well, Dungeons and Dragons. I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for about 15 years now. In fact, you guys were the ones I started playing Dungeons and Dragons with. Yeah. You want a poster? We've got a poster for you to work off of. I would love a poster. Let's see this poster. Okay, so the poster, we have a giant dragon uh, in the top third of the screen. Uh, two characters on either side of that dragon i'm assuming one is a protagonist the other is the antagonist oh no wait uh scratch that one i still think one is uh one is the pro- uh, antagonist the other is more of a like guiding figure all right so we have so you think we have mentor and, An- and antagonist. antagonist unless the dragon's the antagonist. all right so which one's the antagonist and which one's the mentor well obviously the bald guy on the right of the screen is the antagonist okay um then let's see we have three and this is just based off of the fact that every bald guy is an antagonist unless they're bruce willis uh, well to be fair this was the 2000 or vin diesel well let's look at all the antagonists in the year well okay let's look at the best antagonist from the year is it because 1999? he's a skinny bald man it could be that and the guy liner. And the black lipstick, I think, or is that just heavy shadow? That's just heavy shadow. I think it's. Black oh, so lipstick. I think he has black lipstick. Uh, he might in the film. <laughs> so, you know, that's very uh, lich-like. So All right, I'm going to call it here. I think he's going to be a lich. Okay, or he's studying to be a lich.
1: All right, necromancer, he's
0: in lich, lich school. So below the two, uh, the two b- big heads, we have three smaller heads: uh, two, two females, and one male. I think the male is probably an elf. Uh, the one in the middle, I think, is the princess of this Dungeons and Dragony Land. Okay. And the one, the f- female on the left is probably, I want to say love interest, but may- it's at least a party member. Okay. And then below them, we have two uh, two characters. I'm assuming they are the protagonists because they're front and center. And Okay, that makes sense um one with a sword and the other i can't quite see he has a hat so i'm assuming he's a bar oh no he has oh no there's three there's a dwarf over there too with an axe there's a hidden dwarf with an axe and that's the worst kind of dwarf to be honest now are you sure that's the princess i mean she's got the the spiky like neck collar going on maybe she's a that that's very spiky that's the fashion of the times. All right. All right. So listen, the so Matrix good came around princess around can have time. spiky you know, it shoulders. Could, it's either shiny leather or spiky shoulder pads. Okay. Right, think What's the chance that the princess is wearing a dress given to her by the villain? I will, I'm just going to say the over under is pretty high. Probably 80%. The dress was given to her by the villain. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, having looked at the poster and uh, deciphered it, what's the movie about? So for the Dungeons and Dragons movie, I'm going to assume this is an American isekai. Okay. We, our main character, our main protagonist is drawn into this fantasy realm and doesn't quite know what's going on. But for some reason, even though they are a loser, the whole world hinges on them being good at their job. And they don't realize or they don't know what that job is. They have to find out whether they have to find what class they are. Uh have to find out what class there are. They have to find out their motivations, their morality, their... Uh, Figure out their feats. Their feats. All that jazz. And um, the king's going to be like, oh, you are the you are the sworn, uh, you're the prophesied one. It's like, no, I'm a plumber from Boston. Oh, wait, no, that's Mario. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, you, any, any character could be a, a plumber from Boston and go to a magical world. Um, I don't want you like limiting plumbers from Boston. You can't be like trying to pigeonhole them. <laughs> so okay, I'm sticking with it's an at least an American isekai though. That he gets I'm assuming it's a he. He gets sent to the Dungeons and Dragony world of So so the the real title of the movie should be an American in Isekai or uh, what's the an American in Baldur's Gate? Yeah, an American in Baldur's Gate. Good a word. New York Yankee and a um in Elminster's court, <laughs> <laughs> what's a, oh shoot? What's the the most popular plane? Like there's like a hidden a city in one of the not the earthly plane, but like an ethereal plane. I can't remember what it is though. It's uh, like fairly popular. You know, now that you've asked that question, it escaped my mind. <laughs> You're talking about the one that's like a crescent moon shaped one that mm-hmm. has all the uh, portals to other planes. Yes, and it's ruled by the Queen of Blades. Something sure. Maybe she's the Queen of Blades. That's why she's so pointy. (laughs) She just wants to sell you her uh, kitchenette. I mean, slices and dices. Look at this tin can right through it. Anyway, so we got this, uh, this American in uh, Baldur's Gate, and he is, he is tasked with saving the world because he is the prophesied one. And along the way, as he is trying to figure out who he is in this world, he meets a lot of lovable characters forming, a party, as you will, you have your your bard, all right, your dwarf, so dwarf barbarian, probably
1: his um, classic
0: cla you know talking about pigeonholing characters. um let's see. I'm gonna say a one of the females on the um on the poster she's actually a rogue, maybe a thief, the one on the left, all right, the one on the left's so- a rogue, and so what about our? So you, and then and we have our princess who's not part of the party, not part of the party, but she is pivotal to the prophecy, I guess, kind of all, uh, the never ending story. All okay. right. All right. I mean, she does have a childlike Empress kind of look to her. Mm-hmm. Let's see. We have an elf with it. Elf on the other side. of. So the that's, princess. that's an elf Archer. Elf Archer. Yes. He's you know probably the coolest one. hope so, he has a fan. Class. All right. So what about our main character? What is he supposed to be? I almost want to say he's going to be a paladin. Okay. But he's probably going to start out as a warrior. Probably not like... Oh, so he just swings a sword, and now he's going to find out that he can swing a sword with power? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And our our mentor character, what... What what about our mentor guy? I want to say he's a wizard. All right, but what about... But isn't the bad guy also a wizard? Well, he's a lich. I mean, one's a warlock, the other's a wizard. Two different things, John. You can't just lump, lump all wizards and warlocks in the same class. I was just saying, because lichdom is much easier to do if you're a wizard. Maybe he's an NPC. He doesn't have to follow rules. Oh, that's true. NPCs don't have to follow rules. Listen, this is house rules, even. The DM doesn't. The all The right, and doesn't what about the doing. dragon? What role does the dragon play in the story? Well, he's obviously in charge of the dungeon. Oh. He is the, du- the dragon of so, the dungeon. So, so there's a okay. specific dungeon they're going into. Well, probably that's the name of the, That's the title of the movie. All right, are there multiple dragons then? I'm gonna go with how many dragons are gonna be in this movie? I'm gonna say there's one dragon. Okay. That's the that's the quest. He needs to figure out why there's only one dragon. Dragons are in charge of the magic of the world. Kind okay. Of, kind of like Dragonheart with Sean Connery. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah, he is tasked with figuring out why the dragons are disappearing there's one dragon left that's keeping everything together and the goal is to hatch a dragon egg or find find out why the dragons are disappearing all right so your declaration is that there'll be one dragon dragon. but there will be a hatching dragon egg yes okay all right and at the end the main character is going to figure out hey i can be a hero all along the dragon was in my heart all along the dragons were the friends we made along the way okay okay And uh, uh, they banish the Lich, but there is going to be a stinger, or at least an ending credit, emphasizing a potential sequel with the Lich maybe coming back. Well, I mean, that's what Liches do, right? I mean, that is their You got to destroy their phylactery, otherwise Palpatine returns. Somehow. That's true. And so our main character is also given the chance to go back to his world, but he decides he likes it here and stays. Okay. All right. All right, um how, uh, how many characters are gonna die from the party and how many are gonna come back with the same name and a mustache two character no, one character is gonna die oh mentors gonna die just because that's what mentors do they are predestined to to die it's their lot in life yeah yeah once you once you become a mentor that's your path to, to pass on the knowledge and then pass away mm-hmm. um we are gonna have one other party member die I'm gonna guess it's the elf. You're gonna, they're going to kill the elf uh, the elf is going to die trying to save the dwarf who let's go with some tolkien-esque uh, oh, okay. uh, racism. so, like, so uh, dwarfs don't like elves and elves don't like dwarfs and now they're going to be like but they're working together but you were my friend mm-hmm. like a dragon like a dragon my friend like a dragon so okay <laughs> you know what we can't tell how right he is or wrong he is yet i mean i can point out that this was released by New Line Cinema, who just years later did this other little indie movie called Lord of the Rings with a dwarf and an elf that didn't like each other, but ended up getting along in the end. Well, this came out in 2000, right? Mm-hmm. The Fellowship of the Ring came out in 2001. Yeah. So it's like. It just a little bit later. Could have been concurrent. They were probably filmed concurrently with entirely different uh, CG animation teams. Almost certainly. Well <laughs> that that gets into some of our movie facts. All right, it's time for all right, let's get into the trivia before we get to the good guy, bad guy, bad name. We can have a fun variant for that. Is it Bard Name? No. <laughs> no. Uh so the film itself was released back in the uh year two thousand, as we stated earlier. All right. So this movie was released on December eighth in the year two thousand. It had a estimated budget of forty-five million, uh, grossed seven seven million in its opening weekend, actually putting it at number five in the box office. Wow! And then grossed a mere eight million more for a total of fifteen million for the rest of its runtime in the U.S. And then got a total worldwide of $33.9 So is the worldwide including the U.S.? Yes. Okay, so (laughs) it didn't make money. It did not make money, but it does have two sequels. Direct-to-video. Oh, that's how you know they're good. One one was direct-to-TV, and the other one was Uh, direct-to-video. The first one was direct-to-TV, and then the second one was direct-to-video, but only in the U.K. Huh. Is it the uh, the gamers' hands of fate? No. Oh, those were good ones. It was like Skull of the Dragon or something like that. Uh, I'd have to pull up, pull up that section. I remember seeing the DVDs, and it's pro- if Netflix had been around, they probably would have backed it, possibly, well, possibly, probably. But Netflix backs everything, so the entertaining part with the with their budget there is that while New Line Cinema did distribute it, that was the only involvement they had. The entire rest of the film was independently produced. So it's an independent film, and then New Line Cinema distributed it, Mm -hmm. and they didn't have much stake in it. They didn't have much stake in it. They didn't really have a whole lot there, which does actually make it, for the time it was released, the single most expensive independent film. Up until we got to... uh what was it? The uh, uh, Valoran. Uh, the, Valerian. Valerian in the city of uh, a thousand planets. A thousand planets. That, yes. That's our new most expensive independent film. Has mm. that one been absurd? Not yet. I don't think. I mean, that's for another episode, but. But uh, most of the budget actually, like, it has the estimated forty-five the entire film was only was shot using 21,000 or 21, 21, 21 million, Oh, I thought you were talking about like film size or whatever. Like, no, 21 millimeter, uh, $21 million. Oh, okay. Because they, they had to, they were filming overseas. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the stuff to do anything on credit. So it was all done cash. Most of the post effects were done, by trading favors between uh graphic design studios. Sounds like they were doing like a side quest in the background. There there was a lot of entertaining things that went on uh behind the film. We can go into it more after we actually watch it. All right, but see see now I'm thinking, right? So it cost them 21 million to make it, right? Uh-huh. Is and that was that including the effects? That was before any CGI. Okay, so it's 21 million and then an additional twenty-three million in special effects. Uh, that I don't have specific numbers for. I'm just, I'm just thrown here because it means that they're filming. If it, like they could have made a profit off of just the, they could have turned a profit off of just the original stuff. But, but then they needed the special effects. They did need the special effects, which Eric, you will get to see. There's a lot of C- there's some CGI dragon, if you may not have noticed from the. Mm-hmm poster but while the dragon may be cgi all of the fire was practical effects oh that's nice they they built a set they built a stainless steel version of a set hung it sideways and then shot flamethrowers at it at night nice Nice. to get the uh get that sweet sweet dragon fire at least it was fun to shoot this movie All right, do we have more uh, trivia facts we want to do before? Not any more that we really want to get into before the film. All right, so that means we're going to move on to our special segment, Good Guy Gygax Anime. Wait, what? So you get a. we're going to give you a list of names, and they're either a good guy from the Dungeons & Dragons movie, or they are a character from Gary Gygax's first campaign. Oh, like the first edition D&D? Yes. Yeah. Or they're from the anime Slayer. Which is a... Anim- no, no. And it's not Slayer? It is not Slayer. Le- Record of Lotus War? Record of Lotus War, which is 100% six guys doing a DD and d campaign. And then they made an anime of their campaign. Oh, that's fun. I was like, I know Goblin Slayer is kind of based off of that, but or based off D&D, but like legally distinct enough not to be considered D&D. Uh, but Record of Lotus War was Dungeons & Dragons. Like They originally did that one. For a series of articles in Comteek magazine in Japan, okay where it was just a transcript of a bunch of people playing d and d together ah uh, so that come out before critical role or oh so yeah this is this is like long. in a magazine form so long this this is before um blogs before streaming nice all right so you have to and then all we're right. gonna grade you we have a <laughs> we'll find out what percentage you are correct Ooh, can i can i can we start putting bets on it? I'm going to go with 20%. percent you has gone for 20%. 20%? Now, no, no, yeah. how wide of a range are we looking here? Give or take 5%. I'm going to say 30%. how, well, I guess how many questions? That There's determines. 20. We have 20. 20 questions. So that, yeah, that's 5%. Every answer is 5%. So mm-hmm. we, we figured as the 20, 20-sided die is the most important die in D&D that we would have 20 questions. I mean, it just works. I'm going to go for uh, 33%. 33%? All How do right. you get 33%? It's 20 questions. It's All right, 35. Wait, no, 30. 30? 30. 30. 30. 30. All right. Okay. Well, time to... Um, that, if I that, do that's just off are. of guessing. You have, I think, a 30% chance of getting right. So that's that's your statistical average there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it's time to prove you wrong, John. All right. Here we go. We'll start with number one, Mordecai. I almost want to say Gygax. All, All right. right. Eric's cousin. That sounds like a protagonist. <laughs> a good guy. Okay. Okay. Slain. Slain? Yep. Like S-L-A-I-I-N? S-L-A-Y-N. I want to say Gygax. Ooh, right. No, actually, I'm going to go with anime. Going to go with anime for that one? Yep. Yeah, that All sounds right. anime-ish. Uh, snails. Anime. Anime. All right. Woodchuck. Wood, <laughs> good space, guy. chuck. Oh, okay. I'm like. Right, what wood, space, di- chuck. Are we doing a Monkey Island thing now? Or how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Okay, I'm going to go I with. I bet they're a Jerwed. Protagonist, yeah. Uh, good guy. All right. Robilar. That sounds Giga- uh Yeah, Gygax. All right. Merlin. Merlin? Yes. So- like Merlin, but. Merlin. But legally distinct enough not to be- Yes, yes, legally mm-hmm. distinct Merlin. I almost- I'm going to say anime. All right. Parn. Gygax. Savina. Uh, good guy. Dromage. That's Gygax, I just, I'm pretty sure. Okay. I'm all not pretty sure, but it's like, Well, I'm, I know G- Gygax had some weird names. Sure, sure. Gim. I want to say good guy then. Gim with an H. Yep. G H I M. Um, like that's because of Gimli. That sounds like dwarvish. <laughs> so this is a knockoff Gimli, basically legally distinct enough. All right, but where are you going to put? where are going to put guy. Gim? good guy. Good guy from right. the mo- so movie character. All right, Marina anime uh, Ridley Freeborn Gygax. Are they a bard? <laughs> They're freeborn. Yeah, but they do riddles, so like. Oh, Bardish. okay, okay. Okay. I see the logic there. Ito. Anime. Unless that's I feel the like that's, elf. I feel like that's easy. <laughs> uh, it is spelled E-T-O-H. I'm still going to go with anime. Okay. Deedlet. Gygax. Yurag. Anime. Halvarth. Gygax. Melf. Movie, uh, so good guy. What if all these are just Gigax names though? That would be a real twist. Norda, Norda, Norda VPN. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not <gotta> sponsoring. Sponsor. Gigax. <laughs> uh, and uh, Morden Kynan. I want to go Gigax again. I'm going to think they're all just Gigax, and I just. All right, all right. Well, they weren't all Gigax. Uh, a secret to determining a Gigax uh, character's name is generally they're really dumb. Ah, <laughs> uh. So the the fun part here is that you are at exactly thirty percent. Ah, shucks. <laughs> Looks like John gets to watch the movie without us. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, I was just like, "Oh, what's the chance he gets uh anything right?" I'm mean, like, "It's a thirty percent chance. He's just guessing. He has no knowledge to go." Also, and then I reduced it because we knew there was one that was a trick. Question. Which one was the trick question? The first one, because ones are always misses. Oh. There is no Mordecai in the film, in Gary Gygax's or in anime. It was always you, Elf Farcher. Always okay. you he was going to betray. <laughs> it is on point. And on the opposite, Mordekainen was our freebie, because we know you'd get that one. Because it's number 20, which is always a success. <laughs> nice. So, for your actual list... Uh-huh. The list of good guys for the film is Ridley Freeborn, Savina, Marina, Snails, Halvarth, and Norda. Okay. Gygax's crew is Merland. Uh, he actually ran around with uh, definitely not six shooters. Mm, so like... a. Uh... Artifact his artifact. He had a couple of wands that made loud banging sounds ah. while they shot d- shot magical darts. Mm. Uh the player was big into westerns and actually was the reason Gygax made a different role playing game. <laughs> uh, which one which other one did he do? Boot Hill. I haven't played I haven't heard of that one. It's and- how I got to play D. So is it just D D but set in the what It's like a Western. W- it's a Western one. And does it use the same uh same system? kind of rules? Okay. Mm-hmm. But with less magic and more firearms. I mean, but uh, Mr. Gygax didn't want any guns running around in his Greyhawk campaign. So. In the fantasy world. Mm-hmm. So instead, Merlin had uh, definitely not six shooters with his wands. Hmm. Once again, Merlin. <laughs> Legally distinct Legally enough. distinct from Merlin. Mm-hmm. We'll, let's see how you like these other ones. Eric's cousin. Really, uh-huh, Eric's cousin uh, this was actually his son's character mm-hmm. who, due to backstory reasons, refused to give his name to anyone and so was known for the entire length of the character as Eric's cousin <laughs> I mean okay, props to him for that um, for the follow through, but <laughs> uh Urag is one because it is Gary spelled backwards, and it was Gary's first. Character when he got Dave Arneson to DM for him. Uh, there was Melf, the elf. There could have been a better way to do that. <laughs> the disappointment. Uh, Dromage mm-hmm. was uh, played by Jim Ward and is literally just Jim Ward spelled backwards. Okay. Did they not? I, well, I'm guessing this is like one of the first campaigns, so they probably didn't have online. Yeah, they, they, this, is, generators. This, this is the beginning um, of a... Merlin actually was one of the, the was the closest to actually having like not a name based off of you or your name spelled backwards. Mm-hmm. Just
1: it's, Mer- it's Merlin so with a got, D.
0: So he got props for having a different name. <laughs> and then Robilar, played by his friend Rob. Mm and wow, I wonder how that ties together. Yeah. yeah. Rob. Robilar. Oh, who knew? I mean, if I'm, to be fair, I've never seen them in the same room together, but... <laughs> Is Robilar and Robert the same person? You'll never know. <laughs> and then that leaves us with our party from Record of Lotus War. We have Deedlet, Slain, Parn, Woodchuck, Ito, and Gim. Okay. Ito is definitely like a gimme. I want to say, yeah. Um, and slain, that makes me think of Berserk, where there's um, a, cha- a member, a character in there, like who has a similar name. So like I'm Berserk, a lot of edgy D anD D players definitely borrow heavily from Berserk. So it's just like that's a very anime-ish name. Don't Google them, kid. Her kids. <laughs> All right. So we, um, Eric is statistically average on guessing the right uh source but i mean is that all our pre pre-movie talk oh i think it's pre-movie talk we now we just need a some... now we need a transition song the bardic transition song transition song transition song bardic transition song we're gonna watch a movie song there we go now you now you've seen dungeons and dragons 2000 2000 that that is a movie we saw it is a movie we saw so all what, right what's uh, your initial initial impressions well now i'm not super current on the uh, D- dungeons and dragons like magic spells but is there one that's like time manipulation oh yeah several yeah time I think stop that, i think this movie cat did it because Haste. Um, no, it definitely wasn't haste. Slow. It cast haste on itself. Mm. That way, it got multiple actions per round, and you suffered more. Let's just say this movie doesn't flow very well. And when you think the movie's almost done, no, you you realize only an hour has passed. You still have thirty more minutes. Would you call that pacing issues? Yes, definitely pacing issues. Um, for example, I knew what every the characters' goals were in the. Um, in the story, like we have to take this MacGuffin, we have to go find this MacGuffin, then we have to go to this place to. Or, well, no, we need to find this MacGuffin. The plate, the setting just magically changes without actually traveling. Traveling. Look, they couldn't rent New Zealand. We know that uh, Lord of the Rings was using New Zealand for that. Like apparently, but where couldn't else are they supposed map? to to travel? Like in I Canada. Mean, I mean, yeah, Canada's a magical place. It has uh, pine forests and toronto <laughs> i mean yes. there's isn't there a castle in toronto there is all X, right they film x-men or they film like i know they've done some x-men there but yeah it's a magical place i uh, i would i i think that's the main issue with this movie it's um it's the pacing issues um some do, of the do you feel like they had too much movie for their uh budget probably um like if, if he um held back their ambitions they could have told a more well-paid story cuz apparently like there was a scene of what actually happens between Marina and uh Rigby when they're like in the map uh-huh yep and that was cut yep and so now we just we just have to take it based off what con- um we have to take it off contextual clues that oh hey we have agreed to do this quest now for some reason. Yeah. We still, we still hate each other, but we're going to, I'm going to help you. Maybe they swore an oath. I mean, that's expected. Um, I, I, I kind of think just that one of the main issues too, is trying to brand this as a dungeons and dragons movie. Cause there were dragons, there were dragons. There was there more conscience. than one dragon. You were wrong about that. That's true. I was, um, and the mentor doesn't die. Just the, cowardly friend does oh no the mentor also died well jeremy irons no no uh oh marina the, had her oh, wizard mentor her, okay different mentor i don't know if he's a mentor so much as a, a quest giver yeah but he was giving a, head, a headmaster. he was definitely mentoring the empress that's true a, Ooh, well if you get this rod you can surrender that one and it'll all work out do you think the empress's uh story was more interesting than this random group of people's probably but then again she's like in the movie for all of five minutes she has to it's a lot more political look she was worried about that like uh atreyu kid Mm -hmm. and his horse um i think what another one of the issues um a lot of the actors are playing this way too seriously and And, uh, and others aren't and others aren't exactly like jeremy irons definitely is chewing the scenery he is having fun um, the guy who played the dwarf is just having fun, even though he really didn't do anything. Do you, you think maybe he was getting paid and they ran out of money to pay him? And then he's just like, all right, well, I'll still be here, but I won't do anything. Mm-hmm. Or they just cut all his scenes or whatever. Cause he, he had a lot of talk or speaking lines at the beginning of the movie. And then it just slowly tapered off. Yeah. See, I feel like that was an issue because looking at it, I'm like, well, like there's some pretty dark and high stakes things going on here and like people are getting killed on screen mm-hmm. but then like everything else is so melodramatic and mm-hmm. i'm like i don't know they knew what their target audience was i guess maybe the director's D friends <laughs> i mean probably he was a he was big fan, he was a big fan of D. he wasn't actually supposed to direct the film uh he was only going to be the producer and then did the other dm not show up Uh, I guess a DM uh, always shows up. The other DMs kept getting uh, vetoed by studios Mm. and uh, the contract with um, Wizards of the Coast, who had just purchased Dungeons and Dragons from TSR. Oh, Oh, yeah. That was around this time, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, So in the first part, Richard, you mentioned some facts that... You wanted to share, but you wanted to wait till after the movie because they're spoilerific them. plot points. I mean, points? they're spoilerific. There, there's some that will make more sense after you've seen the film. Mm-hmm. So I figured we should wait until we get there. Okay. Um, now that we've seen it, we can go go over one of the more entertaining ones. Uh, one of the problems that this film had was with its marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, it had several trailers for the film, and. You know, a trailer is there to sell you on a couple of things for a film. It will either sell you on the plot and action sequences or on the cast of the film. And uh, you've seen the plot and the action sequences. Uh, Are you going to be sold by those in a trailer cut? Um, Probably not. All right, but what if I told you that there was a scenery chewing Jeremy Irons in a movie for the kind of Nicolas Cage effect yeah i would probably i'd be more interested in they didn't in... do that oh they actually did not throw anybody's name in these in the trailers until the very very end like the title card where they put like the little bottom letter box of a movie poster mm-hmm. with everything on the same screen for like 2 seconds and then it's gone so trying to dig out your actors names off of the trailer is really hard um did the, so did this movie maybe focus more on print like actual printed ads versus trailer ads like maybe it was just more of a hey in the wizards of the coast magazine dungeons and dragons the movie i'm wondering if it was bought as a tax write off of some sort to wear a new line because they were just distributing it, right? And new you, Lines was just distributing it. And if you it, don't actually plan on something succeeding. See, but they were wanting to use a quick litmus test for, I don't know, how does the how does the public feel about fantasy, about movies? fantasy movies right now? Well, it depends on the fantasy movie, I guess. Because, it does. Because we had Lord of the Rings coming, and then right after that was when we hit the Harry Potter series starting. Mm-hmm. And Lord of the Rings was already in... Production. It was already in production, so, um, but maybe it's like, oh, okay. Don't just show quick. T- or let's actually do real trailers. Maybe uh, Jeremy Irons refused to uh to let him have permission for a trailer. I don't know if there's a. Oh no! Kind of no, no. You have to do. Uh, he with that. was on screen for the trailers, but I mean, like with a. Uh, but they as ne- part of the uh, advertising nobody got campaign. to put his nobody got to put anybody's name on those screens. Didn't happen they still used the same tagline that they went with for the more re- the new dungeons and dragons film they still threw up the this is no game line because i mean it, you're apparently it's like contractually obligated that if you're using dungeons and dragons you have to use that line it has this is no game but is this real life mm, no it's just fantasy caught in a landslide no escape
1: no, from reality I
0: caught in a landslide you all die make new characters <laughs> But it is a game. That's that's the whole purpose. It's <laughs> it's literally a game. No, no, John. Your character died in the game. You need to die in real life. That's not how that game is played. No. I'm pretty sure those little pamphlets from the 90s. Sorry, told your me character about that. wasn't strong enough. Your character wasn't strong enough. Your character was, was strong enough, I award you the power. Whew. Oh, is that the wizard with Tom Hanks? No, that's the um... The like anti Dungeons and Dragons oh, no. Jack okay. Chick tract because I know Tom Hanks did a not Dungeons yeah, of mazes Dragons. and monsters, mm-hmm. like legally distinct enough not to be sued by uh TRS, T-TSR. TSR, TSR. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, legally distinct enough not to be sued by them. All right, do we have any more uh facts? Some fun facts. Oh. Uh, so like I said, Wizards of the Coast had just bought TSR and the rights to Dungeons and Dragons. So on the DVD release of the Dungeons and Dragons movie, they include a print scenario for the dungeon for the uh, sewers of Sumdar for the thieves guild that uh, Ridley is supposed to be from that you could print out and play. It's not like a thing that, like a video thing. You have to put the DVD into your computer to download and download it as a pre-made adventure for your D&D game. And that's why kids physical media will always be better than streaming media because they can do fun stuff like that. And I mean, that's why get, like, on Google, that, but, that's quite the Easter egg. That's why I was like, I may kind of want to like track this down. Don't we have friends who have it? Possibly. I just kind of want to see it. I want to know what it looks like. I, I think it would be interesting to see. Uh, but the reason Jeremy Irons was in this film uh, he stated in an interview that he had just bought a castle and needed to pay for it. And he thought this would be appropriate. And he felt that this was appropriate. I mean, if I bought a castle and someone said, hey, you want to be in a Dungeons Dragons movie? And I'd be like, huh, that would help pay for my castle. I mean, I would go for it, even if I didn't buy a castle, to be honest. I mean, sure. that's, that's really similar to what Michael Kane did in, I think, Jaws 4. Or it was either Jaws 4 or Jaws 3. But he basically took the job because he bought it. He needed to pay off a house. Yeah. He doesn't even remember filming them. I think he was spent all of maybe like a weekend doing all his scenes, maybe two weekends. So he got to, he worked it into his contract where he brought his family to the Bahamas. Yeah. Yeah. And he uh, did some quote unquote work and paid off his house. So not too bad. It's not bad at all. And then another fun thing is, you know how there was just all of the skulls laying around in the in this empire, Mm -hmm. and we went and we saw uh, Profian's big like skull lair and everything. His totally I'm not evil lair. His totally I'm not evil lair. The reason there had to be bones everywhere was to match the lair. Because those are actual real human bones, oh, that's cool because they I, were well, filming mean... at the in an ossuary in the Czech Republic at the time, mm. and it's a chapel where they had to move all of the bodies out of a graveyard to make room to bury more people, so they used it to decorate the church. Oh, I think I've seen pictures of that. Like is that the real famous like skull? It's like, one bones? of them, yeah. Like, Oh, there's multiple. Yes. Oh, yeah. There's all sorts of ossuaries oh. everywhere. Well, oh, I mean, I've s- I don't actually know what that word means, but I've seen like the pictures <laughs> of it. It means like- bone place. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't. You know, I don't speak Latin. <laughs> well, but anyways. <laughs> so yeah, that's why they had to have skulls everywhere was to match the skulls that were everywhere when they were filming his scenes. That's not like they're like, ah, eh, throwing extra skulls because he's evil. No, it's just you know they're there. I mean, I was hoping for a little bit of grim, dark, uh, fantasy, whatever. Yeah, they're not quite there. No, it's not. It's no Warhammer. It's yeah, their Empress isn't like kept alive by her throne. But maybe, maybe in the sequels. That's right. There yeah, are there are sequels. two sequels to this. Are you ready to watch those two? No. Are you ready for painful transitions? Just kidding. <laughs> I have the power, Eric. Don't tempt me. Ah, but I have the. I'm the editor. I have the true power. Sure, sure. You can cut out the cries and cries mm-hmm. of suffering in the background. I don't know. I've heard that these other ones aren't nearly as bad because they're more modest. They are much more modest. Uh, they. Cut back a lot because they didn't have the budget to try really go quite as big. I don't think they had the budget on this one to go quite as big. But they didn't realize they should have held back then. They, they were, like I said, their aspirations they, were bigger than their budget. They were the, like I, I said earlier, they were the single largest, biggest funded independent film to date at that point, they felt that they had a huge budget. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it, how many the, films the, the, has the producer actually produced at this point? Uh, now in 2023? No, no, at in, in, in the year 2000. Oh, this is his first film. Yeah, so he probably doesn't, like, he's not good at budgeting a film yet. He doesn't know what you should and shouldn't spend on. And then he had to be the director, too. And then he had to be the director on top of it. Which means that he could just write a check for his own... For his vision, his vision. And instead of being like, I mean, there's some value to push back. It can go too far and and destroy a film. But sometimes you need a uh, some pushback to say, you know, maybe you could do something simpler instead of failing to do something more mm-hmm. a- advanced. Like, uh, like just to add to that, obviously a mo- a movie by committee isn't a good movie. No, but also unrestrained creative quote or quote unquote creative freedom is also not great either. Problematic. Like, like I think of other movies I've I've seen where the producer and was the director, and they tend to just go extremely over budget or just in ridiculous ways. But was uh, what's our other fact? All right, uh, our other facts. So this did get an actual review by Roger Ebert. Oh, uh, his official review was that they had thrown out the game that came in the box and took a picture of the box instead, which I think is just kind of marvelous in a terrible way, though I also think that it does kind of imply that uh, Roger Ebert definitely doesn't know how Dungeons & Dragons is played. It's not a board game? It it turns out it's not. Um, I could see where he's coming from, though, just, like... I I know I was asking you guys a bunch of questions because I started playing Dungeons & Dragons in 4th edition, so... This would have been based off of one or two, one of the earlier editions, which I'm not familiar with. But they also, there were Easter eggs, like fairly obvious Easter eggs. But then there also, if there were Easter eggs, they were very, you have to be super in on the the lingo. There both are and aren't. Because that's actually one of the things that the director was trying to avoid. He didn't want to tie himself to uh, the Forgotten Realms or to uh, Dragonlance. All right. Well, so anyways, he didn't want to uh, stay beholden to... He didn't want to stay beholden to any of the uh, more well-established properties because, he, as he felt, those would have specific expectations for the people who had played in those settings. And he didn't want to try and like have to go well elminster doesn't look the way you think elminster should uh remind me are these actual the cities in this movie were they based off of real dungeon and dragons cities or were they just made up they're made they up it- from the the producer's own campaign okay world so so yes and no yes and no uh, he did have his own campaign world but he actually took most of the setting from Mistara, ah. which was a published D anD D setting, but it wasn't um, a popular one. But it wasn't a big one. It was the, uh, for like all of the basic D anD D editions in uh, second edition, used Mistara as their setting rather than Forgotten Realms or Greyhawk or uh, Dragonlance. So he pulled a lot of stuff from there with some of the things cuz he did have a bunch of stuff that he really liked from his home campaign but he did actually hold himself back there and go I really can't just make a movie of my own campaign because the only people who want to see that are me and my players. Oh man, what I wonder what he f- thought when he first saw like Critical Role and all that jazz. Cuz apparently people do want to see other people's campaigns. Well, I mean obviously if they're like engaging and D and D campaigns are definitely engaging to the players. But if you see, I feel like this movie should have been a two tiered movie, maybe actually isekai do it closer to things like gamers. Yeah. To where there's the in-game story and then there's an out of game characters. So what and are most of the important what story are out of game characters? What lesson are they learning? They're less learning to, uh, to let new people into the the game, that would be it. Okay. Pretty sure okay. gamers already did that one though. Isn't that the first movie? Um, the the hands of darkness. No, that's darkness. Yeah, see, so, so, When did that come out? I actually, I think it's two thousand five. Yeah. So if, sure. if if D and D did it first, yeah, two thousand and two. Oh, so it's like barely two years in terms of like in terms of it was a making. response film. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. I mean, it was done by a comedy group, wasn't it? A comedy troupe. Mm-hmm. I mean, but yeah, that's the whole point, though, is uh, they could have also been about being new to the game. And, and then actually, if you've done a specific uh, setting like Forgotten Realms, sure, there's things that uh, people might not like. But then why do you even need to have Mel- Elminster for sure in the Forgotten Realms? See, and you I just think- have to have concepts from the Forgotten Realms and there are specific locations. Other than that, it's still a pretty large setting. Well, and the convenient thing is if you're doing it as a two-tiered story, then anything that would be really th- would really throw someone who wasn't familiar with it, you can have a quick aside, uh, so you could have somebody turn somebody turn to the next guy and go, "I know you don't understand this, but here's why it's important." And you could have somebody do a quick info dump without having them turn to the camera and look straight at the audience and go, "So guys, this is why this is why you need to pay attention here." Um, so, okay, so I agree with what you're saying, but how do we turn that into a show or, yeah, show don't tell? Uh, you make it a joke too. Because I'm just thinking, you like, hang a lantern on it. Uh, so you just like see, look at look at what we're doing here. Be like, man, I hate exposition dumps. So anyway, so at the beginning of time, so this is what happened last time you guys were playing. Or I mean, you also have them explain completely ridiculous things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like- they're still contextual it's not mm-hmm. like all information or mm-hmm. com- complicated information needs to come in an expedition dump mm-hmm. you, you can learn some things through observation mm-hmm. and you can have somebody be about to do an info dump where he where the guy will just go yeah yeah they're spies i got it <laughs> oh well i guess it'd depend on wizards but it'd be i think it'd be fun if someone had like a plate a player's handbook in the background like quickly searching like I don't think that's how it works. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's it's how it's totally how it works. Have your rules lawyer or something as one of the characters. That's one of the funny things. There were several rules lawyers involved in this film, mostly wizards, and they were involved because uh, initially, when TSR sold the rights to it, they included the rights to do a TV series, which is what was originally planned for. Like, there was going to be a quick movie and then a TV series afterwards and when that it didn't was happen. sold uh wizards of the coast assured them that a tv series would be able to happen as well but then later was like yeah no you don't get a tv series and it was it was before the film was even out they were they were just like yeah no we we didn't include that that's not part of our deal we we just own you now all right so back to the movie though what's your favorite part of the movie eric I would probably have to say my favorite part is the um, thieves' maze in um, when the main character is showing how good of a thief, he, thief is. he is by doing feats of acrobatics. All right, all right. And why do you like that sequence? It's very, it's very good at telling like, okay, this is what he is proficient in. This is this is why he is a good thief. But it's not telling like, oh yes, I have stolen the biggest and best golden calf whatever no it's you actually have to watch him uh figure out these problems Mm -hmm. where he's like oh okay so it's the red eyes are safe i can step on the red eyes and then he starts moving forward and then the wall starts moving and then the floor panels start flipping changing color um Mm mid-step and you you have to see how he overcomes that by just winging it all right and your least favorite part i i almost have to say the pacing (laughs) To just general the general, general pacing. pacing, like like I said earlier, I knew what the goals were of each character, but it kind of just went, it shambled from scene to scene, and then it just became to me confusing. Like, okay, well, why are, like, why are they here? Like, I know why they're here; they have to find the MacGuffin. How did they get here? Mm-hmm. And what is what is every character doing who's not on screen? Well, I don't know, because that's they, the thing is like we have our dwarf who's. Almost does nothing. The elf tracker who did stuff up until she joined the party. And, and then she doesn't do anything. And then you have the mage girl who... She had more of a role, but she's also the love interest. So she was the second tier protagonist. She doesn't even do much either when she joins the party. Well, she complains a lot. And gets captured. I, I mean, now that we think about it, doesn't, does this feel more like a like campaign for... A certain player, and everyone else is just kind of there, uh, the being pro- bored. Uh, the protagonist syndrome? Yeah. Well, it was for him and his friend, but his friend had to leave, like, ended up moving away halfway through the campaign. Oh, so that's why the Snells died. But then they discovered the benefits of VoIP. Or I guess, this was 2000, so that's MSN Messenger. You know, an IRC chat room, AOL Online. we are not that old, John. I mean there were AOL keywords for this film in their advertisements. Oh. You <laughs> <I> remember when <laughs> now well, you try to shut me down, Eric, but I knew what was down. going on. It's AOL. I mean, I America remember America Online. I, I mean, we used to have American Online as when I was growing up, and it sucked. But I mean, dial up, I mean, sucked just in general, but but we didn't know any better. All right. Um and uh, you're not going to add this into your things that you think your kids should watch, right? I don't think so, no. All right. It's, uh, one of my kids did watch a little bit of it, but. It didn't keep his attention? Yeah, he. Probably because of the pacing? Um, He did, I think he liked the scary parts. Um, The part with the, it wasn't a lich, it was just an undead skeleton, right? Um, Who yeah, had yeah. the scepter. Mm-hmm. Um, just part, like, I, I guess he was cursed. I think my son did like that, just because it was scary. But then once the scene was over, he left. Sure. All right. And you haven't seen the new Dungeons and Dragons movie. I have not seen that yet. It is. It's much better. I wouldn't doubt. That's what I've heard. But I'm also for this movie, like the one we just watched, I'm kind of of the opinion, like, why did they have to put the Dungeons and Dragons name in anyways? Why? Like, I know it's Wizards of the Coast. Like, we need to get a Dungeons and Dragons movie out now. Well, actually, it wasn't because of that. Uh, the reason they were attaching the Dungeons and Dragons movie name to it is because the director wanted to make a Dungeons and Dragons movie. He had actually owned the film rights for ten years at that point, oh. and had been working to try and get the funding. Okay. Because, like you said, he he was initially trying to get some a couple of other directors. He was just going to be the producer and get mm. the money. Yeah, but and it was because he was passionate about D&D, mm. and that's why TSR sold it to him. Mm. But when this movie was coming out, when he'd finally gotten the funding to do everything, that's when, they... that's when TSR sold everything to Wizards of the Coast. Mm. And so then he had like... He had to play nice with wizards. He had and... to make nice with wizards there. But he wanted it to be a Dungeons & Dragons film okay. from the get-go. Because I'm just wondering, like, why don't you just have your fantasy world, but not tie it into, not have to pay the royalties to Wizards of the Coast. Or, or call it a, uh, the Mistara Keeper, a Dungeons and Dragons film? I don't know, there's just, like, for example, one of the Easter eggs in this movie, um, you find some guards that are beholders, which in the Dungeons and Dragons game are fairly powerful monsters that you really don't want to tangle with. And they, they show up. Nothing mm. happens of it. It's and, just, and they're just being a background Mm -hmm. well they're also you know computer generated and Mm -hmm. lots of effort i mean the dragons in this movie were computer generated and there was effort put in yeah but that's where the budget was going as well yeah it's just maybe don't show beholders and um not utilize them maybe mention like xanadar the extreme like the beholder who's amassing all knowledge like an offhanded comment or if they planned on they the, can't uh, have done that because he's attached to forgotten realms i don't know that you do now i mean if you, what you're saying is if we have a beholder that we should use a beholder as a beholder mm-hmm. like if you're gonna have a powerful monster have- that would require extra work especially because as we learned they filmed it mm-hmm. then they put in the special effects so they didn't like have the special effects team on hand Mm-hmm like with a little ball on a stick to act as a director. I don't think that he knew how to uh, direct for something that wasn't there. I mean, and this was 2000 where like CG monsters are starting to become the norm, but it's still fairly rare. We had, we had The Mummy come out in 1999. I think that was one of the first real here CGI monsters. Yeah, and like before... Like, at this time, it'd probably be, like, if they did a Beholder as an active character, it would be, like, a body puppet mm-hmm. and some other people with, like, tentacles on sticks for the other eyes. Whereas, like, even now, it would actually just be a guy in mocap mm-hmm. they'd but- be reckon to because he'd be saying the lines. But that's also why I think it should just be a, not a throwaway line, but just a reference to the world, Make use that as world building, which is going to be fun for the nerds because, I mean, it's a Beholder, or maybe they can throw a, in a reference to an owl bear. Just throw references in, but it's much more fun when you actually use owl bears. Maybe that should be for the sequel. Uh, characters need to run away from an owl bear that broke out from a circus or something. I don't know what you use owl bears for, but make it. I'm assuming they're like normal bears, but just with owl features. No, they're magical. Oh, okay, yeah, that just—that's the sort of thing that just doesn't happen, Eric. I don't. I've never fought an owl bear in. When cases. when a wizard's out there and he sees a bear and says, "I wish this could fly, maybe." How would I do that? And I said, "What if I mix it with an owl and then it can't fly?" But it's big and scary and mean. Apparently, I mean, do you know how to fight a bear? Uh, curl up and cry. You know how to fight an owl? Uh, well, it's a bird, so it's not real. I, this is a isn't fantasy, Eric. <laughs> nothing's real there. Um, fight an owl? I mean, I'd assume. Avoid the sharp talons and yeah. So now, how do you fight an owl bear? Curl up and cry and avoid the sharp talons. You can't do both. That's, That's two how things. They get yeah. I mean, I assume just. I guess. I guess I'll die. You guess yep. you'll die. But so what I'm just trying to bring up is there should just be there should have been more references instead of okay here's the behold the CG beholder, um, maybe have a beholder on one of the crests like on the armor. Or just as a, a town banner, just reference the world without like not really showing the world. You know what I mean? What I'm trying to get at? No, you, you want, want more implied storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think we need more explicit storytelling first for th- for this <laughs> movie. But we had enough implied storytelling in this one. Now I think they should have uh, t- uh, toned down the story when they realized that maybe they don't have the budget for what they want to do, mm-hmm. and be like, maybe we want a smaller scope adventure start out they should have just fought rats in the basement right kill enough of them you'll, you'll level up yeah like they kept it more like a smaller scope story instead of you know the whole empire's at risk and there's gonna be a dragon fight in the air above i think that's where the director stuff really came in is that he had had a big exciting campaign where the fate of a nation was involved and that was the type of story that he wanted to sit, wanted to share, because that was the story that he had been part of. And then, oh, so gone with a, a more specific setting, even for the fact that people may not like your representation, but they might like stuff about it. And if you are referencing something else, like if you're referencing the Forgotten Realms, maybe they go check out the Forgotten Realms novels or the setting, like it, it gives something people to latch on to. Because they'd be like, oh, I didn't like this part of the movie. But this thing was cool. And, uh, oh, so uh, does this movie have any plot holes? Apparently this is a perfect movie. According to the IMDB. I mean, nobody has gone on the internet and made a list of plot holes for it. Not even, like, a silly article where it's like, these are the top 20 Not plot holes. Not even Screen Rant. That you can use to store your uh, ill-gotten gains. If you go in and you plug in the Google search... Dungeons & Dragons movie 2000, Plot Holes. It will instead take you to articles about plot holes in Honor Among Thieves. The new one? Yep. But that could just be um, whoever's marketing has better search engine optimization. They need to get the clicks for the new movie because that's popular. Yeah, but but, but I've gone on multiple pages. I've been to Movie Mistakes. I've been to IMDb. I've been to all the big ones. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess people were just nicer on the internet back then. Or maybe all those websites are now defunct. Probably. Everyone was complaining about it. GeoCities was taken down. I mean, it's true. I did have to, uh, when I was looking at stuff, I did have to try and find an article off of Empire Magazine uh, that no longer is listed on their website, but it is still archived in the Wayback Machine, Mm. where I found out that, Uh, The Dungeons and Dragons movie is actually only number 39 on the list of the 50 worst films of all time. I wouldn't even consider that. Like, it's not that bad. Like, it has its issues, but I wouldn't consider it one of the worst films. It's not like on Troll 2 level. It's only 39. Now, the question is, can you guys guess what was number one? Number one in the worst films? Yeah. Um... I almost want to. Say, we now, have is it actually like, talked about it recently. Is it the room? No. Oh. Um, now is it based off of like Super techni- Mario Brothers? Nope. Is it technically like? Is it just because it's technically bad, or is it because of the subject matter? Ah, uh, technically bad. Birdemic? No, no. Because remember, this is an older article. Oh yeah. Uh oh. This is from like 2015. Well, what's number one worst? Number one worst is Batman and Robin. We did talk about that movie. We did talk about Batman and Robin while watching Dungeons and Dragons. Because of similarity in armor between several characters. Well, one character. And another character. And the Batman character. And I guess Robin. And Robin. With the, the special with the Robin. polyester um chest plates. Mm. And unnecessary features. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, so what would you guys change about this movie then? We, since we can't really I talk admit, about models. I'd admit the, uh, like, I can't change one thing to this movie to make it work. What's the biggest one that you would do then? I think the biggest one would be to do a specific setting story. Like it should have happened in either Greyhawk or the Forgotten Realms. Okay. The single biggest change that probably would have helped it. And then the other one is scope down the story. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to be doing a lot of traveling and you'll have it set in there, do like your source material and travel by map so that we know where this particular bit of forest that's like over down, but behind a freeway is, and it's not just this bit of forest over down behind the freeway. Um. So back, going back to yours, John, you said toning down the, I can definitely see where that would help because, okay, so it's a potentially empire shattering conflict at the end and they're teasing a sequel. How do you have any escalation? Yeah. In like, the sequel? like if they had just saved like a, a single city or even like a town as the main thing, and it was more like character focused. And also then you can make sure that you have a reason for every character to be there. Like the dwarf just joins them. And later on, they say that he can't pay him after he says he wants to get paid. And then he's like, well, this is a terrible way to do business and still goes along with them now that he actually does anything after that point. So I guess, you know, he was just hanging around until maybe they got money and then he'd do work. I mean, what would you change about this movie, Eric? I'm pretty sure like I I said, do a little bit more implicit storytelling, but also real storytelling. Like I said um, earlier, fix the fix the pacing issues. Um, make sure. I would probably trim the cast too. I know you got to have your tr- traditional elf and dwarf, and you have your thief and your wizard. Or I guess mage, but but give them a purpose in every scene they're in. Yeah, make them earn their paycheck. Have um, oh yeah, they could probably have better action scenes. Like These ones were mostly just muddled mm-hmm. extras in the background kind of battle scenes and action sequences. I guess that's maybe why the maze is better, because it's focused, it establishes the problem, mm-hmm. and then he has to solve it. So, yeah, that is probably what I would change about that. Just trim up the just the cast, or at least give them a purpose instead of, oh, I'm a dwarf and I like to fight. And, uh, and eat meat. And I'm showing up in this location, and now I'm in this location. I know the character did travel through a, a portal, but I'm going to show up anyways. Yeah. I, I guess that is a question. How did they all arrive at the uh, the final battle? The mage girl. Uh, mage girl. She's she made do, more pa- mages. She's going to make a different portal. Because the original like henchman made a portal. Um, the main, the protagonist went through that with, uh, and then she just cast more portals, Yep. which she couldn't do earlier because he had taken away her bag of magic components. All right. And now they have it back. Plot hole solved. Bam. All right. That wasn't even hard. All right. but well, do we have anything else we want to say about this movie? Yeah. I haven't seen the new one, but probably go see the new one instead. (laughs) Actually, no, what you should see is the gamers' uh, Hands of Fate and Dorkness Rising. The, uh, The parodies of this movie. The ones that don't take themselves so seriously and are definitely lower budget, but I think they're a little bit more fun because they know their lower, lower budget. They know their lower budget they're, and they actually okay, here's the rules of D&D and this is how it applies to our story. But it also does the two-tiered storytelling as well. With is it it's darkness rising where they have a new member come in, right? Yes. And they have to explain, okay, well this is how combat works in Dungeons and Dragons and so this the um the story that they're telling stops while they're like, okay, um, and they're all playing their own characters, so they're all like stopped in an action sequence while they're explaining. Okay, this is what how combat works in D and D, and then she ends up. Um, I don't want to say breaking the system, but taking advantage of different all, all the small exploits that they they had just ignored. Mm-hmm. So it is a little bit more D and D focused in it. In that, yes, D and D or Dungeons and Dragons is a game. And here are the rules in it. I don't know where you can watch that, but if you can find it, it's fun. But you know what the real treasure was? The friends we found along the way. The patron that we found along the way. We going to thank our patrons because they're the real treasure. They are. Thank you so much, patrons. Sometimes we have to run scary gauntlets to reach the, to reach the treasure for you, but we try. Yeah, sometimes we just have to make stuff up on the spot in order to solve plot holes, but we do it for you. So thank you, thank you. But if you uh oh, but if you like the episode, leave a like on Facebook, and maybe I don't know. Let's leave a comment about uh what kind of character you like to play in Dungeons and Dragons. Do you prefer wizards? Or are you a human fighter? Or in 280 characters or less, let us know on Twitter at PlotSpacklePod. Let us know about your favorite uh, Dungeons and Dragons character that you've created. And as an example, I will tell you mine. It's my very first character, it was an elf archer. His name, Elf Archer, Elven Folk Hero. He wore a big bigote mustache because he needed to go in incognito, and elves don't have facial hair. So, he's definitely not an elf. Or, if you've written your own module or RP- or actual gaming system, you can send us a sample at plossbacklipodcast at gmail.com. I will read it and then try to convince my friends to play. I do that. He doesn't get to convince them very often, though. But he does try. I do. Every once in a while, they play new games. It's fun. Yes, the problem is like everyone will play D&D and the reason that everyone plays Dungeons and Dragons is because everyone has like three or four other gaming systems they want to try, but does not align with the three or four gaming systems each of their friends wants to try. And so they can never convince any of the others to play those games. So they just play Dungeons and Dragons. Good thing we can all agree on Ryuutama. Eric doesn't agree. I've never, I've never played Ryuutama. It's real good. It's real good.